So, if you know me, and you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I'm always looking for new ways to make myself, hashtag, better than yesterday. Well, I came across a new way with an awesome company out of Canada called New Breath. I've been using their tub for cold exposure therapy for over a month now, and my body just seems to feel better and better each day. It's no secret that I love to work out, and I'm always sore, but taking a cold plunge each day has really change that, for lack of a better term. Now, I'm still sore. I'm just not as sore. I spend about 10 minutes in the tub, three to five days a week, in as cold as I can get the water using some large ice blocks. And it's been great. My body feels better. My sleep numbers have increased. And the general resiliency, I guess you can say, has been great for me. Because getting in that water truly takes your breath away each and every time. You have to focus, you have to calm yourself, and you have to control your breathing to get into that zen-type state. So you can learn more about them by heading to their website, newbreath.ca, and save yourself some cash if you're looking to make a purchase of one of their tubs by using code THESIZEUP at checkout. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of The Size Up by National Fire Radio. And we are just going to jump right into this because if you're watching on YouTube, which I highly recommend you watch this one on YouTube, you can see that I have a live guest here in the studio, aka our house, because my guest this week is none other than a two-time Size Up guest, uh, my wife, Tracy, aka Mrs. Pip, aka the palliative PA on Instagram, uh, aka the mama of Finindex, uh... Yeah. Hi, dear. Hi. We we just spent two and a half minutes arguing uh, and during podcast setup that is recorded, so I'm sure Seb's going to make some outtakes on that, right? I will say I'm very excited that it's an even number podcast. Oh, that you're on an even number yeah. and not an odd We would have had to start over or wait till next week. You've been on both <laughs> even numbers, eight and now 38, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So Good. it's very weird to have a Can't guest. Can't do the odd numbers. A guest here in the house with me. <laughs> And like she asked before, I'm sure Seb is going to cut up our, our outtakes before, but she's like, are we supposed to look at each other? Like we look into each other's eyes or something no. like that? Like while we record this? No. We didn't look at each other last time either. But if you don't look at me, then you're looking at the camera, which is kind of cool, but I can see you. So it's even more weird, right? Or not? Yeah, but then I get self-conscious about people looking at me on camera. Oh my God. Just remember to talk into the microphone. It's yes. part of the thing, because okay. then they can hear you. But you're making me sit on a thing that's too tall. <laughs> I don't want to slouch for the people who are watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this I'm is taller how this is than go. him. This is how this ep- this episode has come about. Where we we've so we've been on a few podcasts together, and we've been married now for just uh, not too long ago. Seventeen years of marriage together, married. And uh, we actually had our 20th anniversary of our first date just like a, like it's a month ago, yep. um, which was kind of cool to think that we've spent 20 years of our lives together, sort of. But the first couple months don't really count because that was just fun, <laughs> I guess, right? So really, I would say like December. What's your dad's birthday? Yeah, December 8th. December 8th, I met her parents, and I guess that was like really the official like... We're doing this. In your mind. I mean, (laughs) about 10 years later, you told me that was the truth. (laughs) But so, so on a lot of the other podcasts that we've done together, we have, uh, we spoke about marriage. We spoke about parenting. Um, 
I'm sure if you go back to episode eight, which we did not go back and listen to prior to this, we probably have many different views on um, probably not marriage, but parenting, <laughs> considering that was done and the boys were probably like nine and six. Mm-hmm. And so now the boys are 13. They've come and- a long way. They're like adults now. <laughs> they are. I mean, they're stinky boys, as she calls them. They don't need me anymore. <laughs> they st- Everybody needs their mom, right? We all know that. That's not Maybe. That. We mostly need our moms, but the boys need their mom. But we probably have different views on parenting, same views on marriage. What do you think? Probably. I mean, yeah. (laughs) They're about the same. I don't think they change much. They just kind of evolve. I mean, we once we kind of got on a good roll, I don't think there's much more to keep going. But, I mean, we'll reiterate the same thing, that it's always work. Right? Yeah. It's like a job you never thought you were going to have. It definitely never gets easier is the easiest way to put that when you come down to parenting. Um, I feel like the work, if you stop putting in the work, that's when it's going to turn to bad, as Finn would say. It turned to worse. <laughs> it and turned, then worse. It turned to worse when he was little. <laughs> but I think that's it. You know, it's it's the job that you never thought you would want. Is that what you said? Yeah, like you never thought you would have. Like, I got a job. I go there every day. Like, but then I also got this person I'm married to, which becomes a whole nother job. And I know people get mad when you think about it that way, but that's the only way I can kind of look at it. Then you have these two other humans that depend on you. That's like a whole nother job. It's the hardest job ever, too, because they yeah. do they do depend, even though, like, the boys are older and way more independent. I mean, they pretty much do everything for themselves now, for the most part. I don't but, think I ever wanted three jobs at one time. They, I mean, but again, it's give and take. I think, you know, we talk a lot about being married and there's, it's not always equal, right? Like, there are going to be times where one partner is giving a whole hell of a lot and the other partner is taking, taking, taking. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, It doesn't mean that in a little bit that's all going to balance itself out. Where the problems come is when you start resenting that. And I think it took us a while and some maturity to work through that to realize it's okay to kind of call them out. You know, sometimes I'll be like, yo, this is like, I need something. Like, I need you to just be my husband, like I need you to be in charge right now because I just can't deal with this and that's okay. And it's sort of the same thing with parenting. You know, we gave a lot to those kids for a lot of years and you know, listen, we're getting some return. We gave them life. There's no return on this. We're getting some return on investment now. Like they're pretty cool to hang out with most of the time. I mean, it's all right. Like I, I definitely am that mom that Listen, babies and toddlers, not really for me. You were definitely better during that time. Um, but this is kind of cool. Like, we can take them on trips and stuff. And they, they do things bags. and they have opinions, but sometimes now their opinions really matter. And, like, they tell me, you know, hey, mom, you look nice. Or they'll ask me how my day went. That's a big deal. I agree. It's pretty cool to have little people with you, like little adults, yeah. like you said. Like, yeah. and, and, and that evolution has been really good, you know, and it's one of those things that you said too about it, it being a job and, and you know, you, you can go down that resenting your partner way and, and everybody does. And, and it just depends on how far you go down that way, I think, right? Like we go, 
We've been well, down that road. Yeah, but it depends on who ends up with the ability or the confidence to call you out on your shit, right? Like, that is true. And Tracy calls you, me out on my shit all the time, like every either, day. But it's either you calling yourself out and saying, oh, crap, like take a step back and being like, why am I angry? Am I angry because he really did something crappy? Am I angry because I am just not dealing with what happened very well? You know, it took, that was kind of a big revelation for me a, a few years ago. Like, I I thought for a long time that I was really angry at you for doing these things. And I'm like, or not doing, how about that? But then when, you know, through lots of help and advice and counseling, you kind of realize I'm mad at how I'm handling the situation. It's like you're mad at yourself more than you're mad at the other person. To an extent, yeah. And it you weren't doing you weren't purposely attempting to make me mad or hurt me or be like, I'm gonna do this because then Tracy's gonna be flipping mad at me. But (laughs) but I was just angry at the whole situation that we were in, you know, and and I know we talked about this a lot on prior podcasts and we'll be hammering it to death, but a lot of it was, you know, postpartum with our second kid, and I had a rough time. But I didn't want to admit that it was hard because, right, I'm a mom. I'm supposed to love this kid. I'm supposed to love my other kid, and then I have to be here for my husband, and then, by the way, go back to work. And I never considered not going back to work because it was something that I loved. But we needed to adjust something. But who was the easiest person for me to be angry at through all of it? It was so much easier to take it out on you than to admit that I may have to change something. Um, But I think that was really hard for both of us because it also took you realizing that you had to start doing purposeful things. You purposely had to make the decision to give me a little bit more of attention or to point out things that needed to be supported or to gently call me out on my shit. And that was Sometimes really it's hard. not so gentle either. Don't, yeah, don't, but that, don't get me wrong here. But that was really hard because you as a person, I mean, and there are people listening here that know you, like, listen, part of the reason why I love him is because things roll off of him so easy. You know, if if it's just crappy and he knows that it's not something that he did and it's not something that's going to last forever and it's not something that's going to cause you know a major catastrophe it's just like well okay like we'll just move along I can't do that I run every scenario in the book through my head and if there could be one small thing that will happen from it I'm devastated but I know that and I accept that about myself now and lots of times I just have to think like okay, like this is why you're my person because I could call you and say, I just have to vent about this for five minutes and at the end of those probably 10 minutes, I say, all right, just need to tell you that but now I'm okay because I know you're going to tell me, just get over it. What's that thing? I have to get it out. You don't have to get it out as much. No, definitely not. But what's that thing you said to me about like, you know, or we both said or maybe we stole it from the internet and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Like, do you, if you have a problem, like do you want a solution or do you just want me to listen? Correct. Is that it? Yeah. Is this like a time that you're listening? I forget the exact words, but am I telling you this because I need you to offer me um, 
assistance with it or a recommendation or am I just telling you because I have to get it out into the universe? I'll admit I'm the person that I just got to get it out there. I don't a lot of times need you to give me an answer. And that was really or hard. Want me to give an answer. Correct. It's more Correct. that way answer. But, you know, I think the biggest thing has been me telling you, like, why don't you share that stuff with me? Because here I am thinking I'm the only crazy person that needs to, like, get this shit out there. But you got it there. It's all in there. You just don't share it as much. So that's been a big, like, balance between us. And that, and, and when I say this stuff, it has to do with everything. It has to do with, like, our relationship, our families, our kids, work, you know, friendships, um, the fact that, you know, just getting older sucks or financial stuff or, I, I mean, anything. I could come up with venting about tons of stuff. I'm sure you can. Can I share something with you now that's freaking me out? <laughs> like the smudges on your glasses that I never <laughs> notice. I'm like, there's so many smudges on her glasses. And I just clean these. I know. Oh you goodness. got fingerprints on them, but it's all right. But can, I'm just noticing see, those. so it's okay. But that's the key thing. But that's <laughs> it, right? And and look, like, and Tracy and I have fun, right? And just like we kind of had fun there for that second. And I think that's a big part of something that we lost for a while there was remembering how to laugh. Like I remember being those young kids that met at, you know, where we met and went to a Bruce Springsteen concert and then a Dave Matthews band concert and had like no responsibilities in life except to show up at a job and show up at a job. <laughs> that was like our responsibility. And, and as things grow, it gets really difficult and you just kind of keep moving on. And this is not a marriage podcast. We actually are like no. a lot into this. And the plan was not to talk about marriage, which I have a totally different plan here. Um, but I figured that would kind of come in play because. But it's yeah. kind of how we ended up here, right? Um, By getting married. Yeah, it's how we ended no, up together no, no. <laughs> and had kids. But going through all of that and kind of, you know, I know there are probably a, par- a lot of parents listening. And I know this comes up in a lot of mom groups. Like, that season of raising younger kids is really rough. It's what nobody ever tells you. You know, I remember thinking, everybody told me this was going to be great, have kids. You know, I've said before, I never thought I was the person who was going to have kids. You know, Pip always wanted them from the, he was very honest that he wanted kids. And I was very honest saying, not sure it's what I want to do. True story. Um, (laughs) Of course, we have many Pips now. Um but no one tells you how hard that is in the beginning because every I, I feel like everyone just wants you to think it's so great to have these humans that you're raising. Um, but if we had not gone through the struggles that we did along with our kids and our families and everybody else, we wouldn't be where we are now because there were lots of decisions made at that time. And I don't want to necessarily call them sacrifices, but it was strategic things that got us to where we are. You know, I changed jobs. That was huge. And, you know, firewives out there completely understand who's got the job that is completely and utterly unable to bend at any time. Not me. <laughs> There's somebody I, else sitting here. I, like, you know, I, he wasn't going to be the one to leave his job or change, or be able to change his schedule. So yeah, that all fell on me. And that was a huge thing. That's where that resentment came in. That's where that, you know, difficult decisions came in. But I wouldn't have ended up where I am if I didn't make those decisions back then. So I have to hope that, you know, he gets mad because I use this 
this uh, analogy or whatever you call it a lot is there's a reason and a season for everything. Um, we meet people, we belong in situations. It's a season for something, and there's a reason why it happens. You may not know exactly when you're do when you're going through it why it happened, but you know, I. I I left a certain job that I thought I was going to be in forever because of my marriage, my kids, my own personal happiness and well-being. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing now. And I can't imagine doing anything else. I don't get mad when you say that either. I use that line now. Like I've used that line. No, like legit, that reason and a season. I've used that line I think on a couple episodes of the podcast. I've used it on people at work, on people that I've... I've used it when I've talked about Pip's mustache. (laughs) I'm hoping the season ends soon. I wondered how long it was going to take you to say fire wife too. Can we talk about that? Because you threw it out there. You you put it out in the universe. No, no, no. I I put it out there because I I accept the people who are listening to this podcast, right? So um, I should be politically correct and we should say fire spouse true fire spouse sorry yeah yeah fire wife yeah. you will but you're oh yeah but i, there can I be fire personally yes. am a fire wife but there are fire spouses out there it, it's definitely a hard road to go down when you're married to anyone that works in, a, in an emergency services career um and it's really not again we can get into that whole like you know fact that I may not come home from work, we may not come home from work is a, is a whole different story. But it is that we have a very good schedule, but it is also very strict. Like Tracy said, yeah. it doesn't bend very much. You know, no. there, there are ways to get out of things and do things that are cool. But when you're gone, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And my friends don't understand that. How many times do I got to tell people I work with? No, he works for 24 hours. Like I have to go home today because there was literally nobody there. Um, I mean, I, some people I've known, I have friends that have known me for as long or longer than I've been with him. And they're still amazed that my husband's not home for 24 hours. I'm like, no, Pip's working today. Oh, what time does he get home? Tomorrow. (laughs) Not It's always amazing. Um, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. How do you survive with your husband coming home every night? Because listen, those nights are very nice. We all know how nice it is to sleep in a bed with nobody else. I love when you say that about my my time being gone. Oh, stop it. Because you loved those couple of months in bed by yourself when I was laid up with my knee. This is true. It's it's nice to have the bed by yourself. You get it every... But but again, too, and it's interesting, too, because we've talked about this um, fire wife thing because there is... Uh, there's a lot on social media out there, a lot of podcast pages that, that are, are people, spouses, fire dedicated. spouses, who are they're dedicated to talking about this. Um, and, and we have a very different view being on the East Coast. A lot of those folks are from the Midwest or the West Coast where they deal with wildfire season where their spouse can literally go to work for what was supposed to be 24 or 48 hours, get not come home, not come home for <laughs> a month because they got on the task force that day yeah. that got sent to yeah. a wildfire that is just burning out of control, you know, two States away. Yeah. Um, and that is a whole different, that almost is equating to like being a military spouse. If you, yeah. Ask me. I mean, I think I tell you all the time, I try and be supportive and, you know, I follow lots of these pages on social media and I have a couple of, other friends who are also spouses of firefighters, whether but lots of them are not around us, um, couple here on the East Coast. But, you know, I think what I've always told you is, to me, it feels weird 
because everybody's situation is different. But yeah, like you said, I, I'm you're you're on the structure side. <laughs> it's I never knew. Those I never guys, understood those guys could that. Could be on the structural side too, and then <laughs> they get screwed. Like Correct. Tom gets screwed if he gets, right. if he gets right. on a deployment. So it's totally different because you know I. I I'm happy when you get overtime because that never comes along. So if you're going to be gone for 36 hours, I'm like, oh, um, so yeah, it's a whole different life that I can't really appreciate, but you know, I'll support you. Um, the other thing too, is because that happens and because people are living, not in a high cost of living area, some folks like New Jersey, um, some of these, some of these spouses are not working. Um, or they're working different types of jobs. I think I sometimes struggle with the fact that we both are doing really, you know, helper type jobs, um, and high stress. And we also have the unique ability. I don't even know what it is. Like going back to that whole supporting one another, like we kind of share everything, except for, you know, the recent, probably a year ago when I got told, don't share so much. Um, <laughs> Dude, she's so. fucking good at this podcast <laughs> thing because she just did the transition into what we're supposed to be talking about that me being the host is supposed to do. So if Jeremy actually listens to this podcast, he's going to be like, Pip, you're fired. I'm hiring Tracy because she um, literally just owned you. Yeah, we, and that was hard for me to hear that well, from let's, him. So let's go that, back, that's a struggle. That's that a is struggle. a struggle. But it is, and it is something to you that, you know, Tracy's career, when we met, she was very career oriented. She is still very career oriented to this day um, with two boys, with everything. But that's really what this podcast is about is Tracy's career, um, I guess, or, your, or where you're at in your career now. <laughs> so let's do what we should have done kind of in the beginning. And aside from introducing you as being Mrs. Pip, which may be like your most famous quality or so, you know, out there. Sure. Kidding. She did make the Verizon commercial though. I we hope everyone saw, uh, could see me roll my eyes. <laughs> the Verizon commercial, she did get into it. So that was pretty cool. That was a last minute addition. It was, that was something else. <laughs> we, can, we can do a whole story about the Verizon commercial, a whole podcast. One day when we're really bored, we'll do, and we'll have a couple drinks and we'll tell the Verizon <laughs> story because it was really good. Um, but Tracy is a physician assistant and she has been for over 20, 25 years now? No, 22. Okay, 22 22. Years. It was just 22 in July. And uh, this is a PA week just starting. So, no, well, it's over. Yeah. It'll be over. It's with not over? No, wait, does it start now? Is it oh, it's starting on the 6th. The 6th to the 12th. It's always the same time every oh, year. So we'll be around then. So coincidentally... Notice how it's not like week. he sends me a gift or anything. <laughs> We were gifting <laughs> for PA week this year. I'll keep that in mind. But they don't gift for much. So Sebi, okay. timestamp that, Sebi. Remind me next year, gift for PA week. <laughs> my, my personal assistant, audio yeah. engineer, Se- Sebastian. So PA, physician assistant, physician associate, uh, all the same stuff. So let's. Right? We're fancy. You are very fancy. And it is kind of cool because I am going to have a PA guest soon who was a firefighter paramedic who's yep. going to come on. Um, but just for the folks out there that may. I think by this point, everybody knows what a PA does or how it kind of works. Yeah. But just go into that a little yeah. bit because you are, you know, an advocate for your field. Yeah. And it's still a very young field. So, yeah, I'm going to use buzzwords. A very young field. It started in the 60s. 60s? Sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm kind of okay with this. 67. Um, and in medicine, that's a really young field. So we just are. explain a little we bit, are. please. 
Give me a friendly healthcare provider. It's right? like Baymax, my That's personal right. healthcare companion. That's right. That's our pin for this year. Um, yeah. So PAs are healthcare clinicians who can diagnose, treat, care for a multitude of health problems or conditions. Um, we work collaboratively as part of a care team to take care of folks, but you'll see us everywhere. Um, we do primary care. We work with surgeons. We, uh, do any subspecialty that you can think of. And there is bound to be a PA there. It's essentially, we are trained in the medical model, just like physicians are. Um, the major difference that you hear people talk about is that you know, we finish school, we do a didactic where we kind of train in all the specialties, but we're trained as generalists. So as opposed to a physician who finishes school and then goes on to do a residency, which can last anywhere between three and five years, you know, we just start working. But it's because we're part of that collaborative team that it's like, for lack of better understanding, like uh, on-the-job training. It's like we're the rookie at the time, right? So we're we're kind of leaning on our physicians and other practitioners to help teach us when we start at our job. Um, That being said, there are fellowships that PAs can do in certain specialties, such as surgery, critical care, uh, Mm -hmm. things like that. But Honestly, anywhere in America at this point and several places overseas, you're going to find PAs. Um, We're going to be a huge answer to this healthcare crisis. I mean, I can't fix healthcare, but I know that there's not going to be enough doctors to take care of everybody pretty soon. There's got to be other people helping and PAs are going to be there. Notorious Fire. Such a great name. Brings me back to bumping mid-90s rap jams from the one and only Biggie Smalls. Lenny is literally the man when it comes to custom designs. Dude went to art school, like legit college for art. Just look at all his work. This guy has artwork on snowboards and even guitars. He's constantly creating new sticker designs. But more than that, he's customizing tumblers, mugs, glasses, cigar cases. Well, basically anything you can customize at this point, Notorious Fire Company will customize for you. On top of that, his IG game is on point. And occasionally, you even get to see a pic of the man behind the brand. So check him out at NotoriousFire.com or on IG at NotoriousFire. Trust me, you won't be disappointed in his work. Who doesn't like the smell and feel of leather? Looking to fulfill your custom leather needs? Well, as we say here in Jersey, I got a guy. Rob over at Ridgeway Leatherworks is literally the bad guy. Several years back, I happened to be sat next to him at a mutual friend's wedding, and this dude told me more about leather than I ever thought I needed to know. His passion for his business is evident in the quality of his work. His team and his family can make all their money. So whether you're looking for a radio strap, a radio holster, a pair of suspenders, a chin strap, a locker tag, or really anything leather-related, Ridgeway is the place to go. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com or on IG. Ridgeway Leatherworks. And tell them Pip from the Size Up Center. And maybe you'll get a special jersey treat in your package. So by so by healthcare crisis too, for the folks who, again, you know, th- these are buzzwords in our house. Our kids know about the healthcare crisis going on. You know, there's just not enough providers is, is the That's easiest right. way to explain it. Whether you're talking about physicians, PAs, nurses, 
radiologists, nurse practitioners, you name it, you know, as the population has grown, the medical world is not keeping up with that. And when the staffing comes down to it, there's just not enough people to take care of us. That's the crisis that you're referring to for the most part. Um, So it's been pretty cool to be on Tracy's PA ride because she's worked in in a lot of different subspecialties, right? Is that the right word? Subspecialties. Sure. Um, She's joined a lot of organizations and it's kind of been like the ride I've been on just in a different way, sort of, um, without her own podcast at this point. Um, She does have really cool hair though. So at least we're both, we're both known for that end of it as we've grown together. But when I first met Tracy, you know, I was working on the ambulance and she was working in the ER. So level one trauma center, full on adrenaline PA rush, right? Easy way oh, to put it. Yeah, you asking me if that's true? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, it's a, this is a podcast, dear. I, I, I ask you questions, you, just, you answer. I don't generally make statements. I thought you were just making a statement. Worst yeah, I mean, I was, I always knew going into medicine that I wanted to do emergency medicine. You know, I wanted to uh, find a problem, fix it, and move along. And that was great. Uh, yeah, and I just happened to meet this guy. But, it, you know, the ER I worked in was great ER. I got to learn a ton of stuff. And when I first started again, 22 years ago in New Jersey, we could do a lot, but there was still a lot that we were unable to do. So, um, we made a lot of inroads, but it was essentially myself, another PA and a doc working overnight. And that lasted for, you know, eight to 10 years. So I, you know, in the ER, you can't avoid anything. If it's coming in, you're going to see it. So, you know, I should have written stuff down a long time ago because I'd have so much fodder for a book right now. Um, it was great. It was a big confidence builder. You got to see a lot of the human condition. You got to appreciate a lot of what people were going through. But like I said, even from before... I don't think I could have possibly imagined that it would have gotten me to where I am now. I can appreciate a lot more of what I did uh, back in the ER now not being there. And well, it we took all me a that. lot to leave there. We all do that as we mature. Yeah, you know, like you appreciate course. the things you did as a rookie. Yeah, you can't, see, you can't see it when you were going through it. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and, and it was cool, like when you were in the ER and, and she stitched me and stapled me all in times like that. So again, my personal healthcare companion. Um, and then Tracy jumped around and did a few other things in the medical world, kind of trying to find her uh, adult job, I guess we could say, or, or whatever. However, I guess, you I guess it's it. more like that was like, it, it was trying to find like my mom job. Like, again, remember we talked about it, like those kids come along and that's like a, a job. And it was like, holy moly, it's not that I couldn't work in the ER. I was still really good at what I was doing. You know, I was good there. I had no problems going to work and doing what I had to do. I couldn't come home and be the wife I wanted to be, the uh, mom I wanted to be, and just the person I wanted to be. I was miserable. The only time I was happy was at work, but I was coming home miserable and that just wasn't going to work and super tired like yeah. i saw that that she yeah. didn't see was just like the exhaustion of, yeah. of of again then too and having you know a spouse who leaves for 24 hours and kids that you have to take care of in that time frame 
Yeah, um, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. And maybe there was some other way to work around that. But at the time, like I just, I couldn't get out of the spiral. And the only thing that was going to change was me modifying where I was working. Um, as much as that hurt. I mean, there was a whole hell of a lot of stuff going on. That's not the, you know. <laughs> um, but that's the only thing that I could fix at that time. I, I weren't going to get divorced, you know. But don't think that it was not talked about because I seriously thought that that was the problem at the time because I didn't want to admit that I couldn't work where I wanted to. Um, but we made a conscious effort to say, okay, that's not what we want to do. All right. Can't get rid of the kids because they really frown upon that. And in life, I, I kind of like them. them for the most <laughs> part. So we decided, so, all right, we're going to keep them. Again, go back to the inability for someone to bend. He wasn't going to change his job. So I had to find something that was going to fulfill me just as much, but not lose my identity. And I know a lot of women, if you're listening, can th- can kind of relate to that because that had, it's like he said, that, that was my identity. I was a PA. I worked in the ER. What was I going to tell people I was doing? Um, yeah, so I kind of bounced around being a mom and doing PA things, but not necessarily full time and kind of making it work. And we did make it work. And here on the not par- not marriage podcast that we're supposed to be having, having, and we're still talking about that, you know, that was a cool part of Tracy being a PA was that she could bounce around and be like, Hey, you need me to work for you. Right. This fits my schedule. This fits my life. This fits Pip's schedule. Let me try and go here. Let me work for this person. And, you know, it was cool to be able to watch that occur. And I think that's one of the cool things with knowing so many different PAs is how many of them do so many different jobs um, and the ability to change like that. But for you, you also had, you know, when she talked before about what a PA does, that team, you know, her collaborating physicians. um, I've gotten to see her work for, uh, a few different docs. We can go for a few, like not like, you know, a lot, but a few different docs. And two things that I, I can say is that one, they were all amazing for her to work with in so many different ways. And she learned so much from them and they were all sad when she left, you know, but they understood why she was going on to something else. Cause she hadn't found her groove uh, again. Right. Stella, I guess <laughs> is a good way to put it. Like you had to get your groove back. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good name I mean. for this. Tracy got a groove back. Sure, sure. But again, I think it's looking at what you were doing and then being like, what, but also having the confidence to be, you know, I'm really good at this. Again, that's another thing that, you know, I think for 20 years has finally rubbed off on me. You know, I, I listen, I'm not running into burning buildings, but you have to have a whole lot of self-confidence to do that because you got to know you're coming out, Right. I say that to Pip all the time. Like you She's never said that to me like that before. Oh, stop the it. self-confidence <laughs> line. That's amazing. Like you, you, the confidence that you know that I'm going to go in there and do what I got to do and I'm going to get out. No, oh, by the way, I'm taking the rest of these dudes with me and I'm going to help them too is kind of amazing. I knew that I was good at what I did, but I always saw thinking about that or admitting that out loud instead of just in my internal brain talking to myself as being like boastful or um selfish 
And that's another thing we've talked about is not in a bad way. Pip's one of the most selfish people I've ever met. However, it's one of his endearing qualities because I grew up thinking selfish was a bad word. It always had a terrible connotation. Most moms will tell you the same thing, but selfish is not bad. It's like self-preservation. I can't be a good wife or a good mom or a happy person if I'm not happy in with myself first. So going back to the whole work thing, once I was like, yo, I'm really good at this thing. How do I find a job doing this? Right? It's so hard to continue because I'm like, how did I find a job doing this? I know how you found a job doing that. I'm still back on what you just said about me and what it is I do because it's so hard to put that into words, you know, yeah. like, and, and the way yeah. you said that, like, I've never even really thought about it. Like, yeah, listen, I'm confident that I'm a pretty decent firefighter, fire officer, you know, I'm confident in all the guys that I work with and that's it. You know, you're confident you're going to make this decision that is really effing yeah. difficult to make. Well, if you're not, bad things could happen. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like, and so thank you for saying that. I'm, yeah. I'm like, but you also don't think about it every day because if no. you did, you'd be like, holy crap, what am I doing? And I'd be an asshole. And, and they exist too because they're like, I'm the best firefighter in right. the world. Blah, right. blah, blah. And, and like, again, yeah. that's what I always <laughs> thought that if I walked around was like, I'm really good at this. You know, people are going to be like, oh, that's Tracy. She's an ass. No, that's not what I want people thinking about me. But you know what? What am I good at? Good at talking about people about end of life stuff. Yeah. And that that's where Tracy has gotten herself to. And that's what this podcast was really supposed to be about since the beginning is <laughs> Tracy's new career. Got to gently get there. Yeah, I guess. Like, I hope people are still <laughs> listening. Like, at this point. Everybody just turned us off. I think maybe I'll put in the notes, like, <laughs> jump to 3830 or whatever time. Actually, these times are going to be so messed up for Sebi. He's going to be so pissed because we recorded early and then. I'm writing them down wrong, but like, yeah, you jump to 38 and that's where we really start talking about the palliative PA and what it is Tracy does now and how it affects us in the emergency, in the emergency services specifically, but really anyone, because look, if you asked me prior to this journey, she fell into literally fell into realizing man, I talk about death really well with patients and I have these real conversations. And and, the, and it's weird because, right, we're saying this and she kind of giggles, but we do, it, it's the same as the dark humor that sort of comes into play in the emergency services because, you know, when Tracy meets a family or meets a patient, they are generally at the end of their life. Um, sometimes she has literally, I'm not going to say minutes, but hours, hours. with them. Other times she has weeks to months with them over your career. Mm-hmm. And this is an end of medicine that no one really thinks about, even though we are all going to die someday. And this is also an end of medicine that no one really necessarily prepares fully for because you never want to think about death, whether it be your own or one of your loved ones. And it's also this end of medicine that works against everything medicine teaches you. Yeah. Yeah, because medicine people are fixers, right? You want to fix everything. I'm going to make it better. You know, coming from the ER, what did you say? Adrenaline-fueled, of course. Oh, my goodness, you came in with something? I can fix this. I can put a tube in you. I can stitch that up. I can do CPR. I can send you to the ICU. Better, not my problem anymore, right? 
Um, palliative medicine, you know, yeah, is a relatively young, recognized specialty. Uh, I have a habit of just finding these things that people don't know a lot about, like became a PA instead of a doctor, go into palliative. Nobody knows what you do. Either that or you tell them what you do and they just kind of look away and then it's like, oh man, I hurt somebody's feelings. Um, <laughs> but palliative medicine deals with folks with any type of serious illness um, and we really work on quality of life things. You know, how do I keep your quality of life at an acceptable level for you? However, that's different for everybody. To me, it is one of the most personalized aspects of medicine there is because I can have 10 people in here and they can have tons of different serious illness, you know, cancer, renal disease, uh, dementia, strokes, uh, CHF, COPD, and I could say to them, what is most important to you dealing with this serious illness? And I'm going to get 10 different answers. That's what makes it so humbling because my only job is to give you all the information about how we can keep your symptoms managed, how we can best support you, how I can help you talk to your family about what's important. Um, it's not about me. I may have a different opinion about everything that you do, but I'm going to give you the best information to help accomplish what you want to accomplish in whatever time you have. And like Pip said, listen, I happen to be on the inpatient side, so I'm in the hospital seeing folks um, for a palliative medicine consult. So yes, most of my folks are really sick. Sometimes I don't, I don't get them out of the hospital, or sometimes I get them out knowing that I'm never going to see them again. But it doesn't mean that everybody who is treated by a palliative care provider is going to die. Um, you know, there are tons of soon. serious, you're not going to die soon. Correct. How do I start all my, how do I start all my talks? I just did this yesterday. Has anybody figured out how to not let people die? And everyone looks at me like I'm an idiot. And they're like, no, of course not. I'm like, then good. Then we all need to normalize death and dying. Cause as we said, we haven't figured out a way how to not make it happen. Um, but there are a lot of folks out there that get diagnosed with a serious illness and they get better. But my job during the course of that serious illness is to make that course the best it can be, you know, make them not miserable. Um, give them that support. Sometimes it's just a matter of walking in and being like, how are you today? And sitting down because how many people have been to a doctor's office or been in the hospital and you, your your provider comes in and asks you a question and they barely wait for you to answer and then they're out the door and you're like I'm not even sure what's happening you so know? it's it's amazing too because I've gotten to see this end of this career that I didn't even know existed just like anyone else in reality until Tracy started getting more and more involved in it and then taking it on full time but that end of like she goes and speaks to people just about them. Like the, how you doing today? That's not like, I'm just here to fix your kidney problem and make your kidneys work, which we all, who knows if I, I don't know, I could have a kidney problem right now. I'm not really sure about that, you know? And that doctor, and, and listen, that their job is very important. And again, yeah. healthcare crisis, they have to move on to their next patient because for several different reasons, but that's not what palliative and end of life care is all about. Yeah. And that's where Tracy's trying to normalize death and dying because we're all going to die, right? And yeah, and I think 
I think the whole point in us bringing it up to kind of touch the emergency services folks is that, you know, going back to the fact that you got to kind of be a pompous asshole to do some of this stuff, right? Like you're running into freaking burning buildings or, you know, any type of emergency services. You're, you're on an ambulance and you're going into a situation where you don't know if it's even safe for you or you're a police officer and you're putting yourself in situations where you're not sure what's going to happen. But you have a family or someone that you consider family that cares that you come home that day. Um, listen, I could walk outside and get hit by a car, right? But there's a higher chance of folks in emergency services having some sort of bad thing happen to them, right? So the other aspect of what folks in palliative really advocate for and what I have kind of seen is a niche that I'm super passionate about is, you know, the idea of normalizing folks talking about their wishes, talking about advanced directives, getting things in place before bad things happen, not waiting to get diagnosed with a serious illness, not waiting to have some catastrophic event, not waiting to be like, holy crap, we've never talked about this before. Um, And that's scary, but it's scary because we don't do it. So if we do it more, it won't be as scary. And these may be all weird words to everybody, but, you know, for example, Pip and I got married. I will say we started talking about it, but then once we had a kid, it was, all right, dude, listen, we got to decide. Something happens to us. What are we doing with this kid? Right? Like if something happened to both of us, you know what I mean? Like we, and again, it's things. What are we doing with them? This was totally before palliative where we were just kind of like sitting around hanging out with baby skin, like, you know, whatever, (laughs) skin to skin care, whatever at that point. And we like looked at each other and we're like, yo, somebody's got to watch this kid. Like, yeah, at at the time we were way more. People would think we were weird being like, why are you thinking about not being here? You just had this great kid. Yeah, I know, but I'm being super logical, but that spurred all other stuff because then when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about about my healthcare proxy, you know? So here in the state of New Jersey, every state is different. That's my little uh, public service announcement. State of New Jersey, something happens to me. Pip gets to make all the decisions if I can't make them for myself. But what if I knew he couldn't do that and I wanted to name someone else? Or what if something happened to both of us? Then who gets to make the decisions? Well, the state of New Jersey says my parents do. I'm not saying my parents are bad at this and I know they'll listen. But, you know, personally, I'd be worried about them. So I'd rather have my brother do that. So I got to write that stuff down. So, you know, to me, every single person needs a healthcare proxy, even if it seems stupid to write it down that it's the person who is your next of kin. Um, and then you need to just start having those conversations about like, what if something happens to me? And, and, you know, it could be scary for people to write down, but at least talk about it. You know, Pip knows how I feel about if I, you know, what if you end up on life support? What if, you know, they need to cut your arm off? What if this, what if that it's, it's normalizing what people think about as those scary conversations, because you're planning for it is not going to make it happen but it's going to make it a hell of a lot easier if and when it does happen. And that's another big part too that Tracy sees. You know, she sees so many people on the daily who were not prepared for this. 
and some of them are advanced in their life, right? So we decided to make, you know, with, with again, well, sure, we'll talk about us because it's the easiest way to go. You know, when, when, when we had Finn and we figured out like, yo, we need like a will because now there's this kid. And, you know, at the time we were, uh, I won't you say. To give him away to somebody. <laughs> I won't say we were ever super Catholic, but we were pretty Catholic at the time, uh, following a lot of uh, the Catholic doctrine. And, you know, I remember growing up and like, it was like your godparents that you got baptized with, they would take you if something happened to your parents and like, okay, sure. That's what you say. And it's not how it works in life these days. No one told me that when I was younger, you need legal documents to say who's (laughs) going to take your kids or, 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 I mean, someone's going to obviously take them, but wouldn't you rather already kind of have that set up? And it was one of the things that like with, you know, we're fortunate to have, have Tracy's brother and our our sister-in-law, but it wasn't like we just went to the lawyer and we're like, it's them. Like we had to have a conversation with them to be like, Hey, Bob, Rachel, I'll pay for these beers tonight. (laughs) You want my kid? But if something happens to us, will you take our kid? You know, and, and And they thought we were nuts at first a little bit. And then, then you explain it to them, you know? And I think that was an important part. And at that same time, and again, this is pre Tracy palliative care where she's like, I see a lot of this in the ER where young people come in, you know, car accidents or whatever. I've seen a lot of this, like we should probably be each other's healthcare proxies. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, by default we were, or like, what do you want? But what do you want? Like, Pip, what do you want? If you got hurt and I was a hundred percent incapacitated. Cause remember as an emergency services person, we're obviously more on the spectrum of of having catastrophic injury happen to us. But when you get hired or you start volunteering, Basically, you fill out a form that says who gets the money when you die. And that's sure. where that ends, right? You have your uh, beneficiary. It doesn't say what's important before I die. Exactly. It doesn't say like <laughs> how to keep you. It just says who gets the money. And you have to remember too, like when I got hired, uh, Tracy and I were just dating. So that was my sister. Um, so once we got married, I had to go and change that to my wife. Um, but it still didn't ask that. you. What's important before you die? It never will ask you that. Yeah. And again, it's scary. You know, do you want to be on a ventilator for weeks and months? Do you want a tracheostomy? Do you want a feeding tube? You know, these are all things that, great if you want them. Don't let me suede you, you know, persuade you either way. But let me tell you what it looks like. We, we make decisions based on the information that we have at the time. And there could be scenarios for everything. However, I I have to believe that every human has an innate ability to be like, all right, this is important to me and this isn't. Um, but we have to share that. If we don't talk about that, then your you know these things happen, and I'm stuck with making decisions for somebody that I love and that I know tremendously well. But if we've never talked about, hey man, if something were to happen, what is important to you? Or what does what is the linchpin in your quality of life? Right? Pimp knows for me, if I cannot get back to a place where I am able to interact with my family, where I am able to, you know, hold a conversation, where I am able to participate in the simple joys of life that that is not acceptable to me. Some people don't care if they're in a comatose state or if they need 24-hour care. 
to me, not acceptable. So if it ever got to that point that I was in a status where I was being maintained on machines and my body was doing okay, I was alive, but I needed to depend on things to keep me that way. To me, that's not acceptable. And honestly, honoring my wishes would be to compassionately allow me to die. So, And that's the other thing too. I use the word die. I don't say pass away. I don't say expire. I use die because that's what we need to normalize because it is what's going to happen. We're all going to die. I didn't know that either. So but again, I'm learning things that she does at work. Cause listen, there, there's that time she went back and said it before. Look, she was bringing home a lot of death and it's not something that I am not unaccustomed to, but there just got to be a point where I was like, "Hun, you're on story four tonight. Like I can't like you had a bad day today and I love you, but you just gave me three and like my mind is not there tonight to listen to story four, you know, and that goes back to that, that honesty back and forth, but something with what Tracy just said and why it's so important for everyone to start to get normalizing death and get these things set up is remember, you also have family members. Mm -hmm. And so I know what Tracy wants and we have written this down and legally speaking, it's there. Her brother, well, Again, we're a little different than most people. We talk we talk about death way more than a lot of other people. So we her brother, say for example, for example, her brother does know her wishes. But what if he didn't? What if he didn't? Yeah. And she just told me this. What if her? What if his opinion differed? Yes. And now you have your spouse or your significant other or whatever your loved one who is dying, and their family is saying we don't want that done. Right. Right. And Tracy runs into family disputes, conflict. conflict, a fair amount in your day, yeah. I'd say. And, and it's not, you know, when I say conflict, I don't say that with a negative connotation. When this happens, it's, I honestly have to believe it's all coming from a place of love. True. Um, and because it's hard, it's coming from love and fear because why we're afraid of the word dying. Um, we're afraid of confronting that we're afraid of imagining that it's going to happen. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I mediate conflict all the time, right? Positive performance progression. And that, and that conflict too, it doesn't even necessarily have to be conflict, right? And, you know, you guys have heard me on, on the podcast talk about, you know, losing my mom within the last year. And Tracy was instrumental in getting my family through that, just like any palliative care uh, person would be, except, you know, it was also her mother-in-law who she knew for 19 years, <laughs> you know, and, and was the grandma of her yeah. kids. And we had things set up for my parents a few years ago mm -hmm. um, with me being the healthcare proxy because I'm um, the medical person yeah. in the family. Yeah. Uh, you know, my brother does things with money and my sister was an educator. So it became us. And we had a lot of things set up. But when it came time uh, to decide to enter into the hospice system, you know, that was a really hard decision. For all of us, even though we knew that's what my mom wanted, even though we knew that was the decision we were going to make, mm -hmm. but there was still conflict. I mean, I'll say this flat out. My father asked me to rip up the healthcare proxy yeah. that yeah. we signed in front of a lawyer that my mother said she wanted it to be this way. And I had to tell my dad I couldn't do that. It was like yeah. a hard, I was driving the car on the New Jersey Turnpike 85 <laughs> miles an hour because his minivan stops you at 85. <laughs> but like... I literally had to say, I'm not doing that, dad, or we're not going to do that. 
Yeah. But having that in place made our situation so much. Yeah, because better. then it becomes, you know, what it then becomes is you not making a decision. It's you honoring somebody that you love's wishes. Um, and I think that that is the, that's one of the most important things I could share with anybody is talking about it and working towards writing it down and being honest about things is gives your loved ones the opportunity to simply honor what you want if something were to happen. And it doesn't give them the added stress of having to make a decision. Um, you know, I work really hard with colleagues to say, you know, make recommendations about things because that's what patients and families are looking at you for. We make recommendations every day about, you know, I'm going to give you this blood pressure medicine or I'm giving you this antibiotic. We don't give people choices. You know, would you like Norvasc or Losartan? No, I say, this is the blood pressure medicine I'm going to give you. I mean, you would look at me like I was crazy if I said that. However, when it comes to end of life or even just dealing with a serious illness, everybody becomes uncomfortable and all of a sudden the ability to offer recommendations flies out the window and it's like, do you want this? Well, what the heck are you asking me now for? I didn't have a choice about anything else. So I think especially in emergency services, like you're, you're coming from a place where you're following protocols and you're and you know the recommendations to do this if this happens. So like that's what you're going to give to your family. You're going to say if this happens, this is what I want you to do or this, you know, what is important to me is the ability to go home and feed myself. Well, then that becomes the onus on your clinician at the time to say, "Okay, I know that that's important to this person. This is how we're going to make this happen." Or, I am so sorry, I am never going to get him to the point where he's going to be able to feed himself again. However, we can talk about what life is going to look like and how we can support him through that because that's going to have a significant impact on his quality of life. But I can't do that unless I know what's important. And that is a big thing because, again, going through our situation with mom, you know, my mom didn't want to be in a vegetative state, let's say, mm-hmm. or be, be even have treatments, you know, like be, be a burden, That's be a burden. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Nobody she really wants to be a burden. And, and she said that too. Yeah. And she wrote that down. Yeah. And she did actually uh, <laughs> separately to us doing any of this yeah. that we found. Um, and she wasn't, and I speak about it. So again, uh, and we are getting close to the hour, so yeah. we can't, we don't want to go too much further, no, here, but you know, when you talk about these things, you know, we, my mom had an advanced stage cancer, Uh, that we were not aware of due to her dementia. And we did not treat that advanced stage cancer. Um, That was discovered in early August. And my mom passed away at the end of December. So from August to December, we were able to have her at home Mm -hmm. under hospice care, keeping her as comfortable as possible. And honestly, in the beginning, in by beginning, I mean, like three months. I think everybody thought we were crazy. Oh, people definitely <laughs> thought we were crazy. Like, and we didn't use the the cancer word, yeah, um, openly because then everyone wants to know. The second you say someone has cancer, they want to know. What, what are you doing? doing? What What's are you chemotherapy? Doing? When, <laughs> when's her treatment starting? And all of these things we decided not to do 
some may say we withheld them from my mother. Sure. Right? Sure, okay. we did. But those things would have made her so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because, again, we, we all know cancer. We all had cancer affect us in our lives. My mom was never uncomfortable right. in those five months that, yeah. that we've ever seen. And treating know. her cancer at that point was not from being able to get information from her providers at the time. Her treating her cancer wasn't going to change the outcome that mom was going to die. Um, what we were able to do is make it as tolerable, if that's a word. I hate saying as good, right? It's a, it, 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 we took it a made scary it comfortable, thing. Comfortable. Right. We made it as comfortable for everybody, including her, as possible. Because, again, we've already established this about a half hour ago. Everybody's going to die. If I figure out how to not make it happen, we won't need to do a podcast because I'll be in Bali somewhere. Yeah, I'll be done with this, Jeremy. If, we can, <laughs> if Tracy figures that one out, I'm done. I'll take yeah. the jersey so and run. It's just a matter of not being afraid. You know, so, you're not so Tracy, afraid to run into a burning building. Don't be afraid about talking about dying. So Tracy said, I was very afraid. I will right? forever talk about it because my ass ain't running into a burning building. We were very afraid. Or even spraying water on it from the outside. But it's that fear that you have to get over. Yeah. I was afraid we were bringing her home. Yeah. I was afraid I was leaving her there. I was afraid every time I went there. But we got to experience what I've called in, in, in the past our bonus months mm-hmm. with her. And they were amazing. You know, she danced with my dad. Like, we have that on video. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, I had my last birthday with her, you know, or I'm dressed up as Ted freaking Lasso, and there's my mom <laughs> hanging out with me on my birthday, you know, we had cake. Um, and it became this just amazing time. Had we not prepared for that, had we not had Tracy in our lives, had we not spoken about it and tried to normalize death before we even knew that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have went that way. And I don't even want to think about what those months would have been like. Yeah. Yeah. And don't, you know, I don't want, because I know we got to wrap up here, but I don't want anybody sitting there saying, you know, I don't have cancer. My wife don't have cancer. My parents don't have cancer. Uh, You know, we're not sick. We're not going to think about that. Again, I'm not telling you, you got to get out there and start, you know, saying this is how I want to die. All I'm saying is just start talking about it. Just start asking questions. Just start you know, identifying the people in your life that are important and would be the ones to help make certain decisions and let other people know that. Let your healthcare providers know that. You know, listen, I'm not saying we're great at this either. I love my colleagues to death, but I will bang it over their head. Like, just ask your patient who their healthcare proxy is. Just ask your patient if they have advanced directives. Um, Because a lot of times we're not going to do it unless somebody tells us to. And I think, too, those are the two simplest takeaways that I have thus far. You know, So we're trying to put something together to kind of turn this into a a program. Um, I know if I went to uh, any fire conference and the program was like normalizing your death, (laughs) I'd have like three people in there. So we're trying to figure out a a catchy title that's going to trick all you folks to come and take this class because you think it's going to be about like, cool, putting out fires or doing searches or something. But just some way to educate people on what they need. So with that, healthcare proxy in any state you live in, you know, yeah. not just New Jersey, but yeah. get a healthcare proxy. Yeah. Living will? No. no. Yeah, living will advanced directive. They're kind of they're synonymous in most states. Um and listen, these things 
aren't things that you need to go to a lawyer for necessarily. You can, and they will walk you through the whole process. But most states, you go on the Department of Health, um, you can print these things off online, and it'll walk you through it and ask you the questions that need to be asked. And you just need either a notary or two non-related witnesses to sign them. Um, But again, if... If I could just make people talk about it, you know, I'm not saying you got to sign pen to paper, but just talk about it and make it okay. That would make my heart happy. Because we all do things in life to not die, right? I mean, we work out to not die. We talk about our problems to not die. We go see the doctor, you know, every year we get checked out. We're going, we have our appointment for our annual physical we get to do to not die. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't be prepared for it. Yeah. In, in the yeah. simplest of ways. And, and honestly, you know, for anyone who's doing, again, we'll say running into burning buildings, um, to me, I look at it as a gift, right? Um, I have given you the gift of telling you what's important to me because then when that time comes, you don't, it's not going to hurt you to make decisions because you know, again, you're not making a decision. You're simply honoring me. I'm giving you the gift. Remember we talked about give and take. It goes back to some people are taken in the marriage more than others. I'm giving you that gift. And when, if, and when the time comes for either one of us, you're going to give me that gift back by saying, Hey, Tracy told me what she wanted. I'm going to make that happen. And I'm going to find the people who are going to help me make it happen. And there's my gift. Um, that that's the only thing that you can ask for anybody that you love. And again, I, I, if you're married, not married, like just figure out who your person is. That's what I ask people. Who's your person? I, I don't care. It could be your next door neighbor for 20 years that walks your dog. If that's who you want, honoring your wishes, write it down. Make sure you trust that person. It too. protects everybody. No, I think that's a big part of it too. And it, it's just a matter of having this set up and, and, there's just so many people, not just non-emergency services people, everybody. Mm-hmm. There's not set up for this. And again, it's not something we talk about, and it's something that Tracy is here to help with for sure. So if you have questions, you can always, I mean, it's really easy to hit me up because, you know, she lives with me and I get these <laughs> questions, so I can I can yeah. put you over to her. But you can also, also follow, follow her. follow your palliative PA on Instagram. There's no underscores in that, right? I think it's actually your dot palliative underscore PA. Oh, okay. Because I tried several times to type something in and they were all taken, although I can't find them. <laughs> but you could also find me through Pip because, again, we live in the same house. We have the same last name, so <laughs> it kind of works out that way. This was fun, though, because I, 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 we were worried about doing this and we're still worried about putting this program together because it's heavy, right? And Yeah, why don't you let us know if you would listen if we put something together? If you're still listening to yeah. us at this point, no one's listening at the end of the podcast. That's why we don't run ads at the end. I'm like, no one's listening this far. But if you are still listening, you know, it, it would be cool. And let us know what you think. And let if us you know are. If you have a conference that you want us to come to, to talk yeah. about normalizing death and our marriage stuff yeah. parenting we have some yeah. good stuff man i'll even get we'll even get tracy a jersey she can wear a size up jersey oh, man. too but it's I, going too far i do it's not going too far don't even start oh man that. i think he's gonna ask me the question i'm gonna ask her the size i'm so unprepared you've heard me say this before but i think i it'd don't be pay fun. attention see she doesn't even listen to my podcast she just goes on all <laughs> she just goes on all the uh 
all the things and plays it so I get another <laughs> download and then just moves on and doesn't ever listen because, you know, I mostly do these when she's not here. So, yeah. you know, here in the studio, a.k.a. my office, a.k.a. our house. But, yeah, you should totally do the size up 10. Oh, man. Are you ready? We'll you try. do this, you stand like that for everybody? Oh, man. No, because I'm mostly, I'm looking. <laughs> so this was the weird part. I've You're been trying to look at you. I'm way. mostly looking yeah. there because yeah, they're yeah. not there. It's fun to do these live. All right. Oh, don't yell. I'm sorry. Blow my eardrums yeah, out. But poor people. All right, go. she wants to go. We've got things to do today. We do have things to do today. We have yeah. to go work out. All yeah. right, beach or mountains? Mountains. I hate sand. I knew that. I should know. I sh- you should actually <laughs> should ask, ask me him. these questions. It should for be you. like you know, like when at like a wedding shower, like predict the answers. And, you, know, you should be able to answer the questions. I like, don't know. I don't know. It's like, like a it's like the shower. dating game. Goodbye. Number oh, two. No, what's night that? Out. The newlywed game. Night That's out. Or, hit me with a card. <laughs> <laughs> night out or night in? Oh, lately, it, I'd have to say night out because we can leave the boys home with the true. babysitter. Although our nights out have changed where like we're home by 10 type thing. And yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. night should be evening. We'll qualify that. <laughs> <laughs> a good book or a good movie? Oh, movie. Cross country road trip. I had to change this one. Who's your celebrity co-pilot? Oh, you're the first person I asked this to with the celebrity and other people have just wanted to do a celebrity because they didn't want to say their spouse. Go ahead. Celebrity co-pilot. Oh, this is a rough one. See, you need to give me time to think about this. Um, I should probably Bradley have, Cooper. <laughs> no, I should probably have so many answers, but, um, just for fun, nothing serious. I'm going to say pink. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one, Pink. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be interesting. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Good job. Yeah. I like that answer. You can stay married to me. See, you have to listen to the end of the podcast or just fast forward. I know the answer to this. Do you Go make ahead. your bed every day? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I do it. Thanks. A <laughs> million dollars right now. Or go back to 18 with a redo. Oh, no. Million dollars all the way. <laughs> yes. You should that's know the really answer to all me. of these. I do. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but I didn't want you to be like 18 and get rid of Pip. Like, no. No. No way. <laughs> nice. I get some of that money, too. Highways well, or back I roads? Say that. Highways or back roads? Back roads. Bucket list place to visit. Oh. <sighs> I know all these. But... Well, no. Well, we're already doing that one. Uh. We're you could say it. that one because we're doing it. Well, we're doing Iceland. Yeah, yeah, a couple which weeks. is fabulous. Um, another bucket list, bucket place to visit. I mean, they seem they seem so attainable, though. It's just that maybe we've been lazy not getting there. Like, you know, I want to go to Ireland. Okay, it's attainable. I don't know if that would be bucket list. I don't really know if that's bucket list either. I know. Like, I know. It's pretty easy for us to get there. Like. I know. I'm like that sounded totally fucking pompous. Sorry. It, it does. Like, it's like but you want to go there. First world problems. But you want to go there, so that's right. right. I Why mean, not? bucket list like something that probably won't happen for many reasons is like I'd love to go someplace like Vietnam. Cool. Okay, yeah. I'll take that somewhere. Yeah. We could do that too. I think though, we could do a lot of things. We can sure. do whatever. What's that like? Do whatever you put your mind to, dear. Together, Wonderpin twins. Pow. No, she didn't no. pound me. Oh, no. sorry. Too much. You've gone too far. <laughs> Football or football? That's my favorite question. Uh, I'll be socially better here. Football. Why is that socially better? Like, I think wanna... it's better because then I'm not being like a stupid American. 
But you do. I, you, I'm not saying we're better than. So, so you're not. So, so it is. It is wrong. Like it's not our football. Is not. It's wrong. It's wrong. So we should say football. I don't know what we would call our pigskin game, but. But you've had fun watching soccer with us when we watch it on TV. Sure, I don't understand any yeah. of it, but I'll watch it for a short period of time because yeah. then I just get irritated. But I feel like you get irritated and you watch football for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least, like yeah. in football, the ball's always moving. True. So. True. All right, last There's one. Lots of movement. There's another one. There's one more. There's ten, oh, dear. Count. Okay. Will you put the paper down? Because I know this one. <laughs> I know them all by this point. But. Best advice you could give to your younger self, Ugh. Tracy, Michelle, McGee, Papyro. I got them all in there. In simple terms, stop giving a shit about what everybody else thinks. Oh, I love it. I love it. And and, and it's hard. Can I give it to my 46-year-old self also? <laughs> I was just going to say, are you going to listen to that tomorrow when you go to work? Probably it's hard, not. right? But Probably not. But it's such a great piece of advice that I think we all can give to ourselves, Everybody right? Says that, right? We all say, like, when we all need to do that because who the f cares what other people think? You know, what matters? I.e., is... my hair should have been purple many years ago, right? And you still get to have your job, like the lady on the in- right. on Instagram who now wears wigs right. to work because <laughs> right. they said you can't have purple hair. Yeah. But it's weird because normally at this point I'm like thanking my guests for joining me, and you know, You're thanks, so welcome. thanks I'm for so joining glad to me. Be here, you have such a nice setup. <laughs> You're in the studio. This is great. <laughs> so fun. So, you know, I'll be like Finn. You know, if you if you like this episode, give us give a us thumbs, two up, thumbs up. Two, no, thumbs, two up, thumbs up. Two thumbs up on the on YouTube. I up. do I think we gotta get Finn on here. I gotta go a couple more guests and then I'm gonna have Finn come and talk about his thirteen years Talking of life. About Finn putting up with us. Yeah, how he puts yeah. up with me, I guess, because that's That'd a big be a part of one. this, right? Yeah. Do you want to come to? The too? real test will be if I pick up some Instagram followers, I may like you more. <laughs> Maybe I'll like Jeremy too. Do you follow Jeremy on Instagram? His like real account? He has a real account. I won't give sure. it away. I'm pretty sure I do. He doesn't do much with it, but it's good. Yeah. But, so Maybe listen. then when he calls, I won't get so annoyed. <laughs> she doesn't get annoyed when Jeremy calls. Oh, it's your work husband. That's it. Thank you all for listening. To Thank episode, you for putting up with us. <laughs> episode 38 of the Size Up by National Fire Radio. As always, thanks to all of our sponsors. If you're watching, thanks to uh, Notorious Lenwood up there for our great mugs that we use all the time. Ooh, I just slammed and it down. Stickers. I got and stickers. stickers and lots of stickers and yeah. slaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, I'm, this whole episode just threw me off. Goodbye. I know. I should just say goodbye, shouldn't I? I'm just going to say goodbye. See you next time. <laughs>